But then I realized it's the identity piece. I was in the crisis of identity. I got to figure out who am I going to be outside of the military? Because I was in that system, that system that made me great. And my question was, can I, can I be great out of this, this system, out of the military system? And I couldn't figure it out. And it took me a while to like, okay, Asher, let's build something off your own. And that's when I started my entrepreneurial journey. I sat for the whole year, I sat and write my first book. It was a lot of work. Because I've never written a book before. But once I started doing it, I'm like, oh, I can do this. My knowability, my credibility, my, my believability, right? All those stuff started falling in place. And man, it felt, it felt really good. Hey there, I'm Makita, a small town girl with dreams who started a podcast with an old headset and a laptop at my kitchen table and made my dreams come true. On my podcast, Time for Tea with Makita, we chat about living life unapologetically on your terms. From career advice, entrepreneurship, relationships, and everything in between. This is your one-stop shop for real conversations and inspiration. If you're looking for connection, then you've found it here. Join me every Tuesday as we dive into those sometimes hard-to-have conversations. So grab your cup of tea or coffee and get comfy because this is time for tea with Nikita and the tea is definitely hot. Ever feel like you need a superpower boost of motivation with exclusive tips and tools with your goals in mind? Well, say hello to your new inspiration hotspot, the Tuesday Tea Newsletter, your weekly infusion of big thinking energy that will propel you to chase your wildest dreams and never shy away from using the power of your voice. Sign up for the Tuesday Tea Newsletter today at beautifullyunbalanced.com and elevate your goals to the next level. Welcome back. It is definitely time for some tea. I am Makita. I just want to thank you so much for sharing your time, your space, and your amazing energy with me today. Today, I am reminded of a quote by Alan Watts that says, the only way to make sense out of change is to plunge into it, move with it, and join the dance. Which brings me to today's guest. He is a veteran with over 22 years of service in the U.S. Army, He is now a wisdom coach and co-host of Pandora's Awareness Podcast. He is renowned for his insights into personal transformation and overcoming life's challenges. From his journey from Jamaica to the front lines of entrepreneurship, his testament of resilience and the power of embracing change speaks for itself. Asher, first of all, thank you for your service and thank you for sharing your time and energy with us today. Makita. The American population and you, my friend, was worth my sacrifice. So absolutely, I enjoy doing it. Thank you. I'm actually very excited to have this conversation with you. Um, I believe you have such an interesting story and career path. Um, first of all, just start off by just sharing a, you know, a little insight into your career path um, and telling us a little bit about where you're at today. Okay, you go right into the juicy stuff, didn't you? Yeah, I have to get into the juicy stuff right <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah. But before I even jump in that, I want to just, I, li- I love the acronym you have on your um your podcast, Time for Tea. And uh, tea is an acronym I, I use. It. It's called Time, Energy, and Attention. So we're going to sip on some tea, some amazing time, energy, and attention today. So I appreciate how you're, you kind of frame your podcast, by the way. I love it. Thank you. And I love that acronym. I might yeah. steal it. <laughs> yeah, you sh- yeah, you can keep it because it's already in your thing. Time, energy, and attention. Sip on that tea, my friend. I'm going to so, sip on it. <laughs> yeah. 
My story started back in Jamaica. I'm a, I grew up in Jamaica, moved from Jamaica to the United States. 18 years old, I, I, I show up on the shores of Connecticut, right? That's where I'm at right now, actually. I just moved back here um, in, in July. So I'm going to get into that part of the story. But so I got to the United States and I joined the military. And I, I, I um, what was interesting when I first got here, because I've been a dreamer most of my life. I always want to see the world. And when I was growing up in Jamaica, my grandparents was already in the United States. So they, they was, I didn't really know them that much until I got to the United States. I see them every now and then, but I always dream about coming to the United States. And I used to listen to a lot of, a lot of the farm workers that used to come to America, Canada, or England, they used to go farm work and they'd come back to Jamaica, they used to tell a lot of stories. And I used to be one of that little kid that sit around and listen to the story and dream like, one day I'm gonna get to see the world. Cause they'd be, they was telling an amazing story. I'm like, oh my God, one day I get to see the world. So out of all of my siblings, I got, I got eight siblings. I'm, my parents got nine kids. I was just a dream. I was, I wanted to see the world. So when I got to the United States, I sort of was like, okay, Connecticut is beautiful, but I want to see the rest of the world. And I was asking questions to my uncles and some of my cousins, and other folks that was here. I'm like, hey, how do I get to see the world? They would give me a different option. Then the military option showed up. So four months into my, my, my time here, I signed up. I go sign some paperwork. And then eight months later, I was in training. And then that took me around the world just seeing it, enjoying it, a lot of places, did 22 years in the military. And then I finally hanged it up last year, I retired last year. And after I retired last year, I took like a year sabbatical just to kind of repurpose my mindset to figure out exactly what I'm gonna take on this new frontier, this, this other life outside the military. And this is where I'm at today, right? now. So I stopped right there. Okay. Now I'm curious, like of the stories that you used to hear about, you know, coming to the United States, was there one story that like kind of like stuck out to you, like an experience that you like really wanted to experience? Because I remember being a kid, like listening to my siblings tell stories about being a teenager. And I'm like, man, I can't wait to be a teenager. Like mm. I'm going to do all these things and I get to be a teenager and things have changed so much. It was like, oh no, I'm going to do something totally different. <laughs> here's, that's a very interesting question, by the way. I love the way you just put that on me just now. So here's, here's something. So, the first 18 years of my life, I've never seen the snow. So I always hear a story about the snow. And you know, the amazing thing about like, you know, all year, you know, the, the planet is just green and stuff. And then winter comes and everything falls off and then everything becomes white. You're like, wow, people talk about how amazing the snow is. So when I first saw the snow, I kind of, I loved it. But then I joined the military and I didn't understand what cold feel like until, you know, you came to America, right? Joined the military mm -hmm. and I was in the military and, um, we used to, the military doesn't really dress you too warm because they don't want you to overheat or, you know, get some kind of heat stroke, whatever, right? So you kind of dressed up a certain way because you're doing a lot of training. And I used to be miserably in the cold. I used to hate it. Oh my God. Like the cold was miserable. And then I started winter sporting. So when I started snowboarding, I realized how I can dress for the cold. And from I started winter sporting, doing snowboarding and stuff, then I fell in love with winter even more. And now I look forward to winter. I don't really get like frustrated, like, oh my God, winter is here. So just dreaming about the snow life, like, but I see it on TV, it's like, man, snow, I can't wait to be part of that, go play in that thing. So that was something that, so that's going to tie to my childhood stuff, but yeah. Well, I do love, I'm in Virginia, so I do love the fact that Virginia gives you all four seasons. Like mm. you're going to get a spring, you're going to get a summer, you're going to get a fall, and you're going to get a winter we haven't gotten as much snow, but the only thing I like about the winter is that it snows. And 
because we're not as equipped as some places, usually they close down mm-hmm. the workplace and like you're off. <laughs> that is the most. Yes, yeah, so you get to stay home. Um, so that is like the most exciting part, being an adult. But being a kid, yeah, the, the snow and it coming from a place that it doesn't snow, mm-hmm. I can imagine. But you only spent like four months and then you're like, I want to see the world. I'm going to join the military and travel the world. Um, anyone in your family were in any form of military life at all? So when I first got to so me and my cousin, we were the first to join the military from our family. So he got here like a month before I did. And then he signed up like a few months before I did. Cause so him and I was the first two. My my sisters, my nephew right now, he did he also went in the military. He got out now too. All of us are out now. But mm-hmm. he was the first one. So we was both thinking the same. We were like, oh, we gotta do something different with our life. Cause like I grew up rough, my friend. Tell you this short story. Like the first decade of my life growing up in Jamaica. My family, my, actually I got there's none of us. So the first decade, I didn't have no plumbing. Just kind of give you some perspective. No plumbing, no electricity. We had one bedroom house. We always, like 10 of us in that one bedroom house on this little hill, right? Little kitchen outside was like three rock stones, right? I mean, it was mm-hmm. poverty, right? So I saw that first, that first decade of my life from the, in the 80s. And then, you know, next decade, we kind of moved into, you know, a little different place to move and we got a different, better place, so forth and so on. But... I've been always looking to make my life great. I was like, from where I started at to where I'm at today, so much gratitude, my friend. But I started from a a very, very place of hard work, rough life. So when I came to America, I was like, I'm here to do something great. I got to do something big with my life. Like all the sacrifices my parents did to move us off the island of Jamaica to to get here, I'm going to make it count. So I joined the military and I wouldn't take a lot of risks in my life. But I made it to 22 years of service. You know, got to that, that, that side of it. The, the U.S. Army was like a university for me. It was like my, it was not just a training boot camp, but the university taught me a lot over the years. So I'm very grateful for the military. Like I always tell people like America is the greatest country in hurt. Like I would say that any day, any time, right? The military has done a lot for me. America has done a lot for me. So I'm eternally grateful for this country, what it done for me and my family. You know, I come from a military um, background family. My dad was in the military. My mm-hmm. Only one of my brothers, uh, my siblings, because I have four older brothers, no sisters. Uh, so it was five of us, but only one of my siblings joined the military. I was, I wanted to join the military, but my mom was like, she was like, I don't think you're cut out for military life. I just don't see it for you. <laughs> and um, she, was, she may have been right. She, I, I don't know, but I feel like if it was meant to be, I would have did it anyway, because I'm one of those headstrong people that I'm just going to do whatever. I want to do regardless. So I felt like maybe she might have been right about that. Um, but like for the same reason, yeah, I wanted to see the world. I wanted to experience a different way of life, a different culture that was so different than my own. And we come from a poverty background. My father died when I was young. So that left my mom raising all five of us on her own. So things were not always great, but we were, you know, I think everybody has some type of struggle and things that that happen that leads them to the purpose and journey that they're supposed to be on. Um, considering your own, you know, transformation and how would, how do you think your experience in the Army shaped your perspectives on life and your personal transformation? Mm-hmm. 
here's I'm gonna I'm start this conversation around these three things that I worked on so hard to really make real in my life. I call it the three vocabulary: my thinking vocabulary, my writing vocabulary, my speaking vocabulary. And we all we get challenged in a lot of like the army pushed me. Let me know what my body can do. So I know what my body can do physically. Then I got to come back to the space where, what can my mind do? Because it's been tested too. So now that, now that I transitioned from the military, I'm just going to speak on this side of it. So when I transitioned from the military, I'm focusing on how do I, how do I maximize my thinking vocabulary or to improve it, my writing vocabulary, my speaking vocabulary. Because I realized in those spaces, like if you can master those three things, combine them, make them like sync them up, you become very powerful, very dangerous. So no, that's what I do. So I started this challenge back in 2016 and it was to read and list a hundred book a year and a thousand book in 10 years. I'm on my seventh wow. year over, over 700 books completed already. And, and I learned how to really pursue goals because of the military. That's what the military transformed for me, how to really get stuff done. And I realized I had this amazing skill and I was like, if I can do 22 years in the military, commit myself to that system. To that, to that organization, made it great. Can I do the same thing for me personally in my own life? Can I find something to commit my life to that same way? And I'm working on me and the coaching system I'm putting together and the entrepreneur journey I'm on. So I'm decided I'm doing, I'm, I'm committed 10 years. So now I'm saying one of my goals is to write 86 book by my 86th birthday. I started that, that journey like the end of 2021 and on my third book right now. And I'm working towards that thing. You know what I'm saying? So it's all about how do you combine those three vocabulary and Make sure that you're sharp in all the three areas. Think for yourself, can write and speak. Now, what I discover is the thing that made a lot of us really, really, really powerful is how you write down your thoughts. Because if I'm thinking these awesome things, then can I put them on paper? And then once they're on paper, can I speak them out? And once I realize those three things, how they, how they kind of synced up, that's all I'm all about right now. Empowering people to empower themselves in those three areas. If that answers your question. You did. I love the fact that you challenge yourself in that way, but you know, I'm curious. The books that you're reading are they are they all personal um, development type of books, or do you play around? Because honestly, I, I will say for me, I really just got into the reading books that helps further my knowledge and challenge me to think on a different plane or level. Um, I used to just read books and I'm a avid reader. Like I could read books all day, every day. Um, but they weren't books that were actually helping with growth <laughs> per se. Okay. Good question too. I focus on, I started off with three, three areas, metaphysics, psychology, and philosophy. I love those three areas. I used to do a lot of reading on those, reading and listening to books on those areas. But this year I started because my for next year, my goal is to just do straight autobiographies. So I started already because I finished my, my, my 700 goal for this year. So I already started on my 800 goal. And I've been working on most of autobiography because I realized that, no, that's I'm working on my story. And my goal is to like help other people craft their own story. So I'm, I'm reading a lot of books around how other people kind of their lifestyle, how they kind of write their own autobiographies or they kind of create their own stories. So I'm focusing on those books now. But mainly it was before it was all self-development stuff, most self-development because I was just working on me. You know, most and those books that resonate with me a lot are mostly philosophy, psychology, metaphysics, and all the leadership stuff out there. So, yeah, and there is a, a mental game in everything. I feel like um, when we take a moment to pause, 
And we, if you're able to, like you said, if you're able to think it, speak it, and write it, but you have to be in a place where you can let go of different thoughts that sometimes kind of hold us back, things that we have to recognize some of the thoughts that we're carrying because our subconscious thoughts become our conscious thoughts a lot of the time. And if we're saying those things for ourselves subconsciously, then eventually we're going to consciously say them. And if we're thinking that much about it, then we're going to write it down. And some of those things can become our reality, which we know really are not our reality. But if we don't bring attention to some of the things that we're thinking about, it can. Here's why writing is so powerful. I'm going to tap in that thought piece because I call it a thought universe, right? So I realized that thoughts, like none of the thoughts you have is yours. None of, none of it is mine. We just entertain it. So now what I do is when the thought shows up, I write them down and I figure out which one I'm going to give my attention to, like a T concept, time, energy, and attention. Which one of those thoughts, once I written them down, I'm going to entertain, I'm going to think about more. So I fell in love with this process. When I start writing, I'm like, man, like things become a lot easier when you sit down and you write about the things that you want to think about. Because if you just sit there with your thoughts, it's going to just go run around, hop around, right? But once, mm-hmm. you, once you extract those thoughts, right, write them down, now you can say, I'm going to think about that idea right now. And I focus on thinking about the idea, what, what thoughts are on that idea, and I keep thinking about it. And now it becomes easier. So a lot of time when people are like, oh, I don't love the way I feel, right? I tell you one, what my, everybody fear, which is my fear too, we fear our feelings. Mm-hmm. And your feelings driven by the thoughts you have. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm afraid of my feelings because sometimes I think about stuff make me feel a certain way and I like the way I feel. Right? That's all we fear. We fear our feelings. So I go back to the thought piece. Like, you got to think about the stuff you're thinking about. Like, think about your thinking, and then you write it down. And like, okay, let me pursue that idea. Now I can think about it differently versus just chasing thoughts in my head. Does that make any sense? It does, because I, I love to write. <laughs> I do. I love to write. I've always loved to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep a journal. And it's the only, I'm going to say the only thing, because... I have two things that I like to do. I love to keep a journal so I can actually come back and assess some of the stuff that I'm saying. And when I'm in the car by myself, I love to have conversations with myself (laughs) to talk things out because that's the only way. Sometimes when I hear it or when I say stuff, I realize that's not what I'm feeling or not what I'm really thinking that is not even me or my, this has been imposed on me by something else. Like you say, a lot of our thoughts are not definitely not ours. But when you can write, when you start writing your feelings down, your thoughts down, you realize what you originally thought or felt is not the reality of what's really happening. So mm-hmm. I find that writing it down helps you to articulate and speak it out easier. So if I can't explain I don't know how I'm feeling or know why I'm feeling the way. There's no way I can sit down and have a conversation with someone else about my feelings and why they are the way they are if I don't understand what is going on here. Mm-hmm. And then giving away to that fear because there is a certain amount of fear when it comes to saying that made me feel some type of way, whether it was sad, angry. I think we're easier to accept anger. Like I can, I can say I'm angry, but mm-hmm. I don't want to say this thing made me sad or hurt me. Or made me feel that way. Wow. I would I would give you a little insight into what I'm writing about right now. I call it the philosophy in doing, the PhD, philosophy in doing, and the PhD, the philosophy in being. 
And the bean part is, is a big part called reflection because, you know, we, we, we are we're comfortable with doing, doing, doing. But then the B part, the bean part, the PHB side of the house, where we reflect on the feeling, the emotional piece, the thing that we fear the most in the world is our feelings, right? When we start reflecting on those things and figure out exactly what is this root cause of this feeling like, oh, this is what it is. I can fix this totally. But without that, ref- that self-reflection, then we don't, we, don't, we don't actually find it. We don't find the root cause. And writing helps me solve that. When I work with people and I talk to people, it's like the same thing, like, hey, let's focus on PhD. You know, like we love, we know how to do things, right? But how to be, that's the hard part. Being in your feelings and then understanding what it is and what caused it. And then, oh, this is this is exactly what, oh, it came from me having an issue with my mom. This is the reason why I'm feeling this right now, right? And you start solving those things and life becomes a lot more easy. You can explain exactly what's going on in your system. And I find that very important for me. So anyone that's listening is just, it's all about really like people don't understand how powerful writing is until they start doing it. Cause we, we get used to just thinking about stuff, but thinking by itself is just you entertaining. You know what? Just like, it's like a, a swarm of net that's flying around. You just, you just watch entertaining those things, but it, you pick one and you put him down and you start looking at him like, oh, examine it. Oh, this is what it's going about. This is what's, what's it about. Then you start understanding your feelings and your brain. And once I, once I, once I understand my own brain, Man, I, be, I felt so powerful. Like, there's no stage that is too big for me right now. Like, I can do anything. You know what I'm saying? hmm I definitely understand that. I'm curious to know, though, from your transition from being in the service to mm-hmm. being a, a wisdom coach, what were some of your biggest obstacles or things that you had to let go of to, you know, to step into that space? Perfect timing. One of the things that, you know, so when I was in the military and I left the military space, came out to the civilian space, I felt like I didn't have credibility because all of the things that I've accomplished was inside of the military, inside of the, that community. So now, because I want to do something completely different from what I did in the military, I was like, okay, how can I find credibility in this space? And, oh my God, like, I went through some depression, some anxiety, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. Like, listen, the, after the first three months after I got out of the military, I didn't do nothing. Like, listen, I was laying in bed like for three months, paralyzed by fear, by anxiety, by depression, because I was like, the thing I want to do right now, I have all the thing worked out, but I just couldn't take any action because I felt like a fraud. I don't feel like I was credible. And all those stuff was keep showing up. I was like, why am I feeling this? Like, what? What happened to what? Where this feeling came from? Like, what happened? Like, I'm, 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 I run to fire, firefight, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. Right now, I'm sitting here paralyzed by this. But then I realized it's the identity piece. I was in the crisis of identity. I got to figure out who am I going to be outside of the military? Because I was in that system, that system that made me great. And my question was, can I, can I be great out of this, this system, out of the military system? And I couldn't figure it out. And it took me a while. to like, okay, Asher, let's build something off your own. And that's when I started my entrepreneurial journey. Like, oh, you got to go in and build something. So I just started, I sat for the whole year, I sat and write my first book. I sit down and I was like, you know what? I'm going to craft my ideas, my stories, everything put together. I'm going to write it out. And I felt a sense of relief once I finished it. I'm like, but it took, it was a lot of work. Because I never written a book before. Like, I mean, it was just a lot of work. But once I started doing it, I'm like, oh, I can do this. Wow, I can. And then I started finding people that would help me organize my thinking. I'm like, oh my God. It is much easier than I thought because at first I was like, this is a lot of work. Like, man, I, I wasn't the greatest writer. But then I mm-hmm. found editors, man, editors. Oh my God. And they was like, oh no, we help, we help writers do this, this and that. 
So then I start finding those people and the stuff, stuff, stuff starts falling in place. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm credible, I'm believable. My knowability, my credibility, my, my believability, right? All those stuff started falling in place. And man, it felt, it felt really good. I love that you said the fact that you felt that sense of fear actually came from identity. Because I think sometimes when you have, sometimes we place identities on ourselves. Like, you are this. <clears throat> All right, for me, I am, my full-time job is a nurse. So it's like, you're a nurse. But it's like, that's not, that doesn't encompass everything of who I am. And sometimes we put ourselves as in box, in boxes. And it's like, how can I expand upon the box that I've, you know, I sort of place myself in. I let other pe people place me in this box. Um, but how can I expand that and be more than just a nurse? Or are you more than just, you know, a veteran? But you're so many things. You know, you're a speaker, you're a writer, you're a podcast host. Like, there's a lot of facets that go into making up who we are. And a lot of times, fear and what perceptions we think other people are going to say about us. Because the first thing I thought about is, what is someone who knows me going to say? Like, who is she? Like, I, I wasn't really worried about people that didn't know me because they don't know me. So, but people that know me be like, well, when did she get all, you know, like, I know her. So when did she start doing this? Or who is this person? And then, like you say, questioning um, that credibility piece. And then, like you said, you did something hard. You stepped into your fear and confronting it seemed like it just opened up this possibility for you to say, not only can I do that, but I can do a lot of other things. Did you feel like that? Like after you confronted it? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So we talk about the crisis of identity or then in the crisis piece of it. Because my first identity was I'm a soldier. I've been a soldier for 22 years. I know that that thing. I can I can do that all day, right? I'm good at being a soldier. But then I say I'm an author now. I'm a life coach. I'm a wisdom coach. Like that new identity, there goes the crisis. Like battle of those two identities. Asher, you're an author. No, you're not an author. You're a fraud. You're not an author yet. Like I be publishing a book. Like for me to claim that identity took a lot of work because one, I had to get, educate myself into it. I wasn't educated into it yet. I was just learning it. But then you want, you, 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 you assume it and you're like, this is me now. And the soldier was like, no, you're not that yet. You're still a soldier. You're not, you're not an author. You haven't wrote, you haven't written any book, right? You haven't done anything in that, in that space. So it was really rough until I had to find my way like, okay, I'm this. I'm assuming this identity. It's me now. I'm going to embody it. I'm going to make it real. And I had to convince that of myself. It took me three months to convince myself. Do you, do you know the, the kind of conversation I was having for those Three months saying, oh, I want to be an author. I want to be a life coach. I want to be this and that. I want to be an entrepreneur. And the other idea was like, no, you're a soldier guy. What are you talking about? Like, go back to being a soldier or go, go hang out in that community. I'm like, no, I'm switching. I'm changing my, my new way of life now. And it was a lot of hard work until I, I worked on myself. I'm like, okay, I'm settling. I'm like, I am an author. I am a life coach. I am an entrepreneur. And then finally, I believed it. it took me three months to believe that about myself. And once I believed it, I went after it relentlessly. Like, you understand, like, like I know I can get stuff done. So now I've, I've become the, the, the identity that I want, I want to be and now I get to do it. And doing is not a problem for me. I can do things. Like, that's why I call myself a wisdom coach because wisdom 
means application, you apply and doing things. Like how do you get things done? That's what wisdom is, application, application, applying what you know. So no, I just go and do it. And I and I have other people do the thing that they said they want to be. Okay, once you assume the being, the, the being part of it, then go do it. And then you're going to become it once, do, once you start doing it. I learned that stuff in the military. So now like, uh, life becomes a lot more easier because now I, I recognize what I am in that identity space. And you mentioned something about box, which I like. I want to I reframe that process because the box thing is very important because I think we got to create our own boxes because we, we operate better in the boxes we create. Because first you got to create that box from that box, you operate in that box, you master that box, then you expand, right? And then you create, you expand, just like the universe itself, like planet Earth is a bubble. Like the universe recognized that we evolve in bubbles. So they, they create this bubble for us to evolve in. Within this bubble, I create my own bubble. And I maximize my bubble as, uh, as soon as I master it, that space, I expand it, right? And I keep doing that. So I recognize the boxes that we all need the boxes that we create for ourselves, not what other people create for us. I like that expanding on your own box because like you said, you can expand and you can be, I think sometimes people think they have to do one thing or the other, but I think like we are creative beings. Our, mm-hmm. We create all the time. Like that's that's what we do. We're constantly creating. And who says you have to create one thing or stick to one thing? Like we are a multi-talented people that definitely can create in our boxes whatever we want. How yes. but how do you help people that you're coaching to get to that point of saying, um, I'm willing to step out on my own and claim that I am all of these things and then embody who they, who they want to show up as in this world. Hmm. It, that, that, that question triggers the word purpose for me because oftentimes that's what we battle with purpose. Like what is my purpose in life? So forth and so on. But here's our, here's a journey right now. This is a journey. If you listen to this right now, think about the things that are not right in your life right now. The things that are not right. Let's think about them. You can write them down. Think about the things that are not right in your life. And then you think about the things that are right. Now, I take people through that same process. If you think about the things that are not right, once you align that problem with a solution, then you find purpose. Like, you got to start with fixing the things that are not right in your life. And oftentimes, those things that really hold you down, the things that are not right. And the things that are right, you, you recognize those and be grateful for those because you want more of those. And things that are not right, that's where you find your purpose. And you go fix those because once you start fixing those, you can help other people fix the same thing. But oftentimes people don't want to look at their own life, see the things, because I, I believe this universe attached to you, like your purpose. You attach to your problem like a fragrance, like a perfume. No matter how fast you run or far you run, you're going to still smell like it. You can't escape it, right? And once you realize those things that the universe attached to you, to you, don't miss them because you got to fix them. You got to solve those things. Once you solve those, you realize that, oh my God, the whole time, my purpose has been following me around like a, like a tail. And I've been not thinking about it as a purpose, but, but a problem in your life. But once you fix those, become vibe to other people because now you're like, hey, I just solved this health problem I was having. Now I can help you solve that problem in your own life because I have the solution now. I've synced up my problem with the solution. I can show you exactly what I did to sync up yours. And now purpose shall reveal itself. But you're like, what's my purpose in life? Mm, the universe attached to you already. It's the biggest problem you got in your life right now. That's your purpose, right? Figure those out. And automatically you become viable to the world and the community around you because a lot of other people have the same problem that you might be running away from that you need to solve for yourself. And I start doing that. Here's one of the problems that I had for myself. 
I struggle with ADD and dyslexia. Those are the symptoms I struggle with my whole life. And for the first 34 years of my, 35 years of my life, like the, first, the only book I read from cover to cover was the Bible. So it felt like it took me 35 years to read one book because I was telling myself the story, oh, actually you can't read. Like reading is the most boringest thing ever. And when you look at words in the book, it just puts you to sleep. You just, I mean, oh my God, it was so challenging. But then I set this goal. I'm like, actually, I got to fix this. It can't long, no longer be my story. So at 36, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a challenge. I'm going to read and listen to 100 books a year. Once I figured out to do that, I'm like, oh my God, this is actually easy. Because first, I didn't feel like I had the time. But then I stopped watching TV. I stopped listening to sports. I stopped even listening to music. I do straight reading and audiobooks. That is it. And I remove all of those habits that I used to have about doing those other things. I get to put them back in my life, but I get to put them back there deliberately not just habitually, right? So when I started doing that, I'm like, oh my gosh, other people that are saying that they can't read, they can't, they can't write, so forth and so on. You can, because that problem, the universe attached me like a fragrance. Like I couldn't escape the, the story of saying I couldn't read. I couldn't escape it. I had, to, I had to face it. Once I faced it, I'm like, man, my power is in it because I always been very poetic most of my life. Like I got, I, I could write, I just couldn't write English language. Right. But in my mind, I think about ideas. I think about stories and so forth and so on. I could write those, but not using the English language. I wasn't good at it. So I never share with anybody. But once I started learning how to do it, I'm like, man, I get very artistic now because now all the stuff that was in me, because I'm very feeling driven, now I can put those into word and emotionally attach to other people's story and help them feel empowered. I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, I, I, like, I like all these thoughts. Um, because we do, and in thinking about sometimes the stories we tell ourselves about our problems and how we face them, uh, I would say mine is no one cares what you have to say. No one's listening to you. Mm. And I come from a, a pretty big family, like four older siblings, my mom. And I have a host of cousins and we grew up very close knitted together, but I'm like the, one of the youngest girls and you have to speak loud to get heard. And a lot of times you can get drowned out in big families if you can't speak up loud enough. So for me, starting a podcast, speaking, it was like my way of speaking the one thing I thought no one wanted to hear, no one was listening. So stepping into that was me stepping into the fear and purpose of, of who I am. So for those who are listening, like whatever it is, take some time, write it down because once you start examining it and you can face it, and once you can face it, you can start letting it go. I truly believe that. Wow. You, you just open up a, the thought universe for me again. <laughs> you said something that's so empowering just now. Like no one cares, no one is listening. And then you know what? You create a podcast and no people are listening. Mm-hmm. You know, I it's funny because just... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Problem, just the other day, some, um, my daughter asked me, she was like, Mom, did you ever think when you start your podcast it would be as big as it is? And I said, you know... I'm a Capricorn. So I feel like uh, Capricorns um, are really full of themselves or it might just be me. Mm. But <laughs> I was like, in my mind, I was like, yes. I was like, but internally, I was like, no, like, 
I was just like expecting like maybe one listener or something like that. But mm. to see the growth and and to see, but like you said, it, it also takes you to come into that world and say, this is who I am. And then educate yourself. And also be willing to get help. Ask for help. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I know where my shortcomings lie and I know where I, I need to say, I need someone else who's more experienced here to help guide me, to mentor me, because I don't know it all. Wow. Nobody's, nobody cares. Nobody's listening. And then that, that, that story is, it was so false, but that's that the story you was telling yourself, right? A lot of people say the same thing, right? Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, like, <laughs> nobody cares about your writing, Asher. But here's what I did for my first book. Just kind of kind of tie with what you what you're you're saying right now. Like I, I wrote my first book to start a conversation with the world, right? To see what people think about what I write, how I think. Because I have eighty, I said eighty six books, right? I have another eighty three more books to 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 figure out exactly how to master the art of writing. But how do we start a conversation? Like how, if you don't, if you didn't start speaking out, how you would know somebody's listening? Like you say nobody's listening, but you haven't been speaking, so how will you know that? Right? Mm-hmm. You haven't spoken out there for people to say, oh, I love the way you, you, you think and so forth, Makita. But we tell ourselves that we haven't experimented on it enough to say, oh my God, I put stuff out there and people are saying yes or no to it. But that didn't happen. But in our mind, we're saying the same thing. Like I was saying, nobody likes my writing, but I haven't put my writing out there to even, to even say that, to make that claim. I didn't like my writing because I was insecure about my writing. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. the world didn't like it. But the world will say, oh, Asher, we like when you said this, but the other part does change that. I'm getting those feedback from the first book. I go change some stuff up. I'm like, oh, I love this conversation with the world now. Because now I get to mm-hmm. adjust my writing to kind of help to empower other people based on what people want to hear, what they what they need, and how they're like, oh, actually, when you write this way, we love it. Let me focus on writing this way, right? But I wouldn't even have this conversation with the world if I didn't put information out there first. Like the podcast, mm-hmm. same thing. I'm doing podcasts because I love public speaking because one of my biggest challenges with dyslexia is that I used to stumble over my word. I used to just mess with my insecurities so much. Like, oh my God, I didn't want to even talk sometimes because... I have this list plus this other way. I didn't really open my mouth to speak. I mean, all these little difficulties I was having with speaking. So I, just, I was an awesome listener. Like most of my life, just, I used to listen. Very good listener, by the way. Everybody's actually a very good listener. Because I, I, I never used to talk. I just listen. But now I'm like, I got to speak. And all the way for me to speak, for me to practice speaking. So I started a podcast. I went and joined Toastmasters, all these things. Because I'm working on my speaking. Because I realized that this problem that I have, what was this thing, I, the question I asked you earlier, actually, the audience, is like, find out what's wrong in your life. What's not right in your life? And then you find a way to make that right. Like what was not right in my life? I wasn't able to speak. I wasn't able to write. I was an awesome thinker, right? I've always been an awesome thinker, very deep thinker. But when it comes to expressing my thoughts in speaking or writing, man, I used to think I was the worst. But I had to change that story. I had to do things to find a way if that was really true. So I started writing and start speaking. People listen like, oh, they like it or don't like it, but I'm, hearing, I'm getting feedback now. You're getting feedback from your podcast now. So now, do people care? They do. So that story about, oh, nobody cares, that was not true. <laughs> mm-hmm. And sometimes the stories we tell ourselves, until we do it, we don't know. So don't if you're listening, know. whatever it is, until you do it, you don't know. And you have to be open to um, the growth process. Because I think there's growth. Yeah. Um, having someone you know, give you feedback on anything is part of you growing. It's not saying you did anything wrong. It's saying we're going to help you to grow and expand upon and, and become better at your purpose and what you're doing. 
Syncing mm. up your thinking vocabulary, your writing vocabulary, your speaking vocabulary. If you can master those three areas, you become dangerous, man. I'm telling you, like people are like, wow, oh, Asher, because I like to have intellectual conversation, like really good ones. That's, that's just me. I just love those. And when I'm sitting in, in conversation, people and we just having those really deep thoughts about great ideas, I come alive. Because my brain works. Here's something else that, that if you're a person that have ADD, you probably don't realize this. Because with ADD symptoms, like my, my brain processing speed was very fast. Like the cycle of my processing ideas is very fast. And because it's so fast, sometimes people don't understand how smart you can be, how much you can process the idea because your, your brain works faster than other people's brain. It's just that you don't know the focus. It. I didn't know the focus of my brain. But when I'm looking at when I'm in, when I'm in a situation, even when I'm in the military, when I'm in a situation, I see solutions very fast. My challenge was I couldn't explain them. I explained them in a complicated way. And people are like, what are you talking about, Asher? Like, we don't get it. Like, man, I see the, I, I see the solution. I just couldn't explain it. I was like, I got to fix this. So I started working on my speaking, organizing my thinking. So now when I see solution on opportunity, I'm like, hey, this is what it is. I can point it out. People can get it now. And guess what? No matter what kind of problem it is, my brain works. Like I understand my brain. Now. My brain works very fast. That means I can process ideas way faster than other people. And now I'm figuring out how to, how to communicate that in a less complicated way. And now I find power in the world. So my God. Oh my God. Anyway, you get me. You get me all emotional right now, girl. Mm. <laughs> But I like that three step. I like that. I like how you you process that to make it work. I am not a fast thinker. I am a con- I'm very cautious. So I like mm-hmm. even though I come up with a thought, an idea, or a solution, I'm one of those people that have to see it in both ways first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is probably too much because I'm probably overthinking it, which usually is the case. But I want to see it both ways. How it could go good, huh? and and how it may not go so great. And then mm-hmm. figure it out, which probably too much thinking, but. Actually, no, actually, it's actually a good thing. This is something I also learned. So you got to think, the military too, you got to think about the best case scenario, worst case scenario. You actually do that with you. This is a good thinking process, thinking cycle, because you're trying to filter out exactly the best case scenario and the worst case scenario. And then you got to figure out, okay, so if the worst case happened, can I live with it? If the best case happened, can I, do I want it, Right. And you're like, okay, so you can focus on the best case scenario. When the worst case happens, like, oh, I'm thinking about the worst case. Now let me stop moving to the best case scenario. So those are very powerful way of thinking, my friend, to see both angles of best case and worst case. I had to learn that too, because I used to just jump into things and leap into things without thinking about all of that. But being in the military, you think about, you you, you assume the worst and the, the best and the worst. And then which one do you really want to put your focus on? Is the best case scenario where if you notice you even fall into the worst case scenario because you already thought about it, then guess what? You're like, oh, I have a plan for that because I thought about it already. So that was very powerful thinking, by the way. Well, thank you. And this has been such an amazing conversation. Before we wrap things up, though, tell me one way you are redefining uh, self-care for you in your life. Mm. My my biggest care for self right now is my sleep. <laughs> my sleep. I am going through therapy for that right now. It's crazy. It's, I'm, I'm going to give you a short story. Cause I was, I'm back home now, and one of the things that's that I have really, cause one of the things I have a lot of challenges with, because for the last decade of my military career, I was operating about three, four hours of sleep. So, and that affected my memory. So a lot of the stuff that happened to me, maybe it was like a blessing, because a lot of the, the terrifying experience I had, those things was like being suppressed. I didn't really, I don't really have them. So they started showing up after I got out 
and I was going to, and my therapist asked me, she asked me a question and I, and I didn't thought about it until she asked me like, like a, it was like a, one of those Yoda questions. She was like, Asher, are you afraid to go to sleep? And I thought about it. I was like, yo, I'm a grown ass man, but I'm afraid to go to sleep. And I had to sit with that for a little bit and like, wait a minute, I am afraid of going to sleep. Why am I afraid to go to sleep? Because I used to have these crazy nightmares and I used to have these moments where I felt like this outer body experience I used to have. And it used to terrify me because I used to wake up. This thing used to happen to me when I used to have these nightmares. I used to wake up and then you wake up, but your body is still paralyzed. That means you can't animate your body. Then I saw, I feel like I just came on this terrifying nightmare. I am trying to wake up. My body is not animated, but I'm conscious. And I used, to, I used to freak me out. I'm like, man. So what I used to do is I used to overhydrate before I go to bed at night. So then my bladder only lasts for three hours and I'm awake. And I did it for so long, my body got used to it. So now I was always up like 2 a.m., 3 o'clock in the morning. I was up every day. And then what I started doing, I started, that's when I started reading a lot of books and, and listening to a lot of books. I used to use those time for reading and, and listening to books. Then I got this kind of bit this habit for 10 years, but then I realized that now for that long, not, not being on that much sleep, then my memory, like stuff I don't have, I don't remember, I don't remember, remember stuff so much. I'm like, oh man, like other stuff in the past, like I can't remember it. Then my friend's like, you don't remember what was doing this? I'm like, ah. So that thing happened for me. So now I am working on getting my sleep back. Working on very hard, trying to figure out how do I go to at least get my six hours sleep. I need to talk moving to further than that because I realized that my brain works really like I'm like my main function in life is using my brain and I need to have my memory intact so I can remember the things that I used to that happened in the past, the history, so forth and so on. So that's been my self-care for me right now is getting sleep in order. I mean, working out and stuff, I'm pretty fit, but sleeping has been my challenge, Makita. So thank you for that question. You're welcome. I think sleep has been a challenge for a lot of people. I, I think so, it's, a, it's something that we don't talk about a lot. People ask you, how are you doing? But no one says, how are you sleeping? Mm. You know, <laughs> no one asks you, how are you sleeping? Because it it controls so much. Like your sleep contributes so much to your everyday function into life. And no one asks that question. So mm-hmm. I think working on that sleep and giving yourself, you know, permission to say, this is something I, I'm going to also include into my focus for myself. Yeah. Mm. You deserve I'm a, it. I'm a, I'm gonna change your question like that. Not how you're doing, but how you're sleeping. That is a, that is such a you know that's gonna start a lot of different kind of conversation with people. I'm use that. I'm a I'm a I'm a experiment on that one. Thank you for that question. So how are you sleeping? Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you gotta tell me some that. of the, the results you get. <laughs> keep, keep me keep me posted on that. <laughs> yeah. How are you sleeping? Cool. Oh my goodness. Tell people how they can connect with you, how they can find your podcast and know more about what you're doing and how they can learn more about your coaching. Well, so www.lifechangingwisdom.com is my coaching website. They can find me on there. Podcast is Pandora's Awareness Podcast. You can find it on all the platforms, except for YouTube. I haven't worked out my, my video pieces on YouTube yet, but on the other platform to get the audio version of it. They can find me there. For my book, they host on the www.demidivine.com. That's the website my book is hosted on, but they can find them on, on Amazon and stuff. But to go to that website, you can see the books on there too. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the platform. You can find me on Instagram, uh, asher.ra.sta for Instagram. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Cool. Okay. 
And for those, if you are trying to write that down, do not worry. I will have all of Asher's information in the show notes so you can connect with him. And I just want to wrap this up with an affirmation. I embrace the journey of change, trusting in my strength and resilience to overcome obstacles and grow with every step I take. Asher, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. This has been so much fun. Yes, the tea, time, energy, and attention. I was sipping it all, all, all this whole time with you. It was warm tea, by the way. Warm tea. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was some good tea. All right, you guys, that's a wrap. Thank you so much. And don't forget, you can join me each and every Tuesday for more delicious hot tea. Until next time, namaste. Namaste.